let's imagine right now that there are drums and we're like swelling into the episode and we're just like uh, there's like a herald and there's heraldry and there's like birds chirping and beautiful waves and Tyrion's coming out of a creek. Zach can put all these in in post. Yeah, too. I'll put all the. I'll put all these. <laughs> like, guys, it's here. It's finally here. This is Game of Thrones. We're almost there. Almost there. Season five. Danny's gonna burn the wheel. Is she gonna burn the break wheel? Break the wheel. She's gonna break the wheel. Oh. I assumed that she would break it with her dragon's fire, though. You'd think. I suppose she- now is time to say hello properly to everyone listening. We hope that you are recovered enough from our past episode where we visited and, and joined in and uh, we're, we're guests at a very red wedding. Uh, now it's time to do lots of other things before season five is here. You may have heard a voice that you're not familiar with. Why don't we introduce our new wonderful friend? Terry Schwartz. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. Terry, you're the associate editor over at Zap to It. I am, also known as their Game of Thrones expert extraordinaire. Mm. I know. Official title. I'm not sure which is the better title to have, <laughs> but I think it's the Game of Thrones one. Game of Thrones expert. Yeah, yeah. That, that works. I, I think the truth of it is, though, that knowing that we were going to be spending this episode looking back at season four and a little bit ahead to season five... We really needed an expert. Well, I'm very honored that you guys thought to think of me. Before we dive into the meat and potatoes, last year, Terry and I were both at San Diego Comic-Con, and, and it's so weird to say last year, and enjoying, <laughs> Not quite a full year. enjoying the festivities that were, were being put on. It was a great gallant ball of celebration, and um, this particular brave soul decided to step away from it, carrying a mark of permanence. <laughs> signifying and, and celebrating <laughs> celebrating the the uh living in the, the 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 era of covering and enjoying game of thrones while it's still being released and and while all new things are happening how cool is that i did get a free game of thrones tattoo at comic-con last year that is <laughs> oh. that is a real thing that exists on my body that isn't going away and actually one of my friend's works this is like very specific she works for a company that submits marketing um initiatives for awards and she works for hbo and she was doing research on their like comic-con marketing last year and was like terry i just saw a photo of your tattoo that you got at comic-con last year in my research that i'm submitting this stuff. So not only will it exist on me forever, but it will exist on the internet forever. I can't remember exactly the exchange we had, but it was something about, I felt like much less of a person after you got that. I was just like, this is, <laughs> I was like, I should, I, I missed the boat on this. I got the free t-shirt and kept walking. I, yeah. <laughs> I walked away with two free t-shirts and a permanent Stark sigil on my ankle. Uh, you did buy a dire wolf though, Zach. I did buy a dire wolf. You bought a dire wolf? I did. He's Beside me right now, he's he's taking a nap. He's got a little. I've oh made a, a little bandage on his leg because he won't stop looking. Old strike. Oh my god, he's like a little Nymeria. He's beautiful, oh, right? Oh. <laughs> I don't know if you guys follow any of the actors on social media, but Sophie Turner. I don't know. I hope most people know this story because it's awesome. She adopted her direwolf lady, no. uh, and she posted. And I always forget, but she posted a photo of her. And her dog together. I was like, "Lady's still alive, and she's with Sansa, and it's oh, great." No. <laughs> it's actually, if if anyone hasn't seen this photo, please go to Sophie Turner's Instagram. She plays Sansa, and look at it, and it'll it'll just make you happy. We like that. 
Let's start it with dogs. Dogs and tattoos. So what exactly was the tattoo of? So it's the outline of the Stark direwolf sigil. And actually, my boyfriend got a matching one, but his is filled in. Mm. But I, I like this one. It was a little bigger than I wanted, which is stupid because it's like the <laughs> tiniest tattoo you can get. <laughs> hey, it was um, but yeah, and it was free. And I was like, come on. I was thinking about this anyway. What better opportunity? So I hope they bring it back this year. I know it was super successful. I think only about 100 or so people ended up getting them because obviously they take a little while. Right. But there was always a line. Um, and I cut it because I'm a bad person. So I can also cut it. <laughs> I, I just, I just found this photo of Sophie. This is from yesterday, right? Yeah. Her and her, and her, her dogs like on her lap. Oh, it's so cute. Cause it's, it's her really and cute. It's really cute. And I'm ladies, glad I could give this gift to you guys. I can't remember exactly what you said when I was celebrating you getting the tattoo, but it was something along the lines of, you know, we're covering it. Like this is happening right now. It's Comic-Con. We're in the middle of the, the, the heyday of, I, obviously I'm doing an elongated version of what was probably a very short sentence, but <laughs> it made me, it made me really think, it made me think about what is happening right now. And the fact that we're in the middle of it, I was rewatching the show recently between working and whether it was on a bike or somewhere in the gym or whether it was comfortably seated in a couch. I feel like a common thread of thought was how are we here? I remember seeing a shot of Sansa just after the line in the rose and she was heading to the docks with Sir Dantos Hollard. And that shot that we all saw as season four was approaching. And my Mike, I remember you saying, this is her probably leaving King's Landing. And Eric's like, what? She'll never leave King's Landing. <laughs> <laughs> and it's amazing and if you go back yeah. and, and you listen to all those moments where I'll say something and Eric will say, I'm not really sure about that. I actually think that this is going to happen. See, I should have learned to stop questioning the guy who's read the books a long time ago, but I think it's just part of my charm is that I don't actually know what's happening next. But that's the best thing. I love hearing theories of people who don't know what's coming and they're like so certain that X or Y is going to happen. And I like know it goes a different way, but now with season five, we're sort of all at that point. Like I've read the right? books and it's I- nice. Yeah, I know what I think is going to be coming, but the show is going a very different route. And even even if the things it's doing are different, sometimes it's even going in the same direction. So it's it, for the first time, I think I felt anxiety before a season because I'm so used to having that comfort of knowing what's coming and knowing these great story beats I get to see and people who don't know they're coming We'll get to see, but now it's going to be new for everyone, and it's a very unique experience for me. But I'm sure for a lot of unsullied, sullied, mm-hmm. sullied, Yes, <laughs> yeah, I agree. I throw it back to season one where I hadn't read any of the books, and you get that moment with Ned where you know he's at Baylor and he loses his head, and you're left with that feeling after the episode, thinking to yourself. What the fuck just happened? Yeah, he what was, was going to go hang with Jon Snow on the wall. It would be awesome. <laughs> but no, no, that didn't happen. No. no. I love that, though. I love that, though, about the show. And I think that everyone has come to that realization that this isn't the show you think it is when you first start watching it. It's true. It isn't yeah. a show where the good people win. And I honestly, I mean, I don't even think... Daenerys Targaryen is a sure bet for making through to the end because that would be too easy, right? And nothing in this show is easy. Nothing in this show <laughs> goes, nothing in this story goes the way you think. Um, so yeah, I like, 
I like that we're heading into the unknown. I do like how Zach touched on earlier the fact that it's hard to believe that we're at season five because Terry actually has a tie into that for me personally, uh, because I don't know if you actually know this, but you recommended Game of Thrones way back when. I think it was a Deathly Hallows premiere, possibly. That sounds very <laughs> like a thing that I would do. I, to- I actually think I remember that because that was right when I had finished reading them. And Dance was either just about to come out or had just come out. Wait. Yes. So you're responsible for Micah being on the show, Terry? Yeah. I was going to say she's responsible for this podcast, right? In, in part. Every listener at home. Write a thank you letter to this lady for all the, <laughs> yes for all the beautiful lines that Micah has thrown down over the years. Yeah, we we she, gosh we we couldn't do this without your sullied suave uh, sullied suave self. I like that sullied suave self self yeah. sullied self. Oh my self, but yeah. I, I just remember uh, having that conversation, and she had said you're you're you'll like this series that's coming out on HBO. Um, next year, because I think the the premiere was actually Deathly Hallows Part One, which would probably make sense from a timing standpoint. Oh yeah, I think it was in November of 2010, and mm-hmm. the season one premiered uh, in the spring of uh, 2011. We're getting so, old, guys. Little did she know. It's already Sorry, been everyone. with the series for five. She years. she set the wheel in motion. <laughs> uh. Well, that's the thing. I mean, Micah, you, Eric, and I all knew each other because of. Harry Potter originally and Harry Potter yeah. was like my one true love growing up and now I mean it's over it's still there it's still a part of my life but Game of Thrones has totally transitioned and I think with both of those things it's really um, been a unique experience because it's not like the story is over we're part of this living breathing beast where the, the end isn't Insight, and you can really grow with it, and you can think about it, and theorize about it, and share it with your friends, and speculate, and it's like really special. And I'm sad that Game of Thrones is going to end probably within the next few years, and we'll have to find something else to do. And then in seven years, we'll have another podcast. <laughs> right. Talking about the series coming at it after Potter, which we've all done, uh, you know this this was a series that was more. I don't want to say adult because I do feel the Harry Potter series is for forever for all ages. Um, but this is the the show that you can watch, the books that you can read, and you can really feel you you get a little deeper into the world. I think you connect with characters that are uh, older, and you can drink a Game of Thrones themed beer while doing it <laughs> and get a tattoo. Hey, there's butter beer, all right, guys. There's butter beer. Right. Uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Bring it back. Bring it back. But um, there's there's just a lot of adult entertainments. The the Game of Thrones parties that I've been to. Um, uh, and and none of them official, just local, you know, celebrating the beer releases and things have just been a step up. I mean, everybody who is our age and who has loved things like Harry Potter, like uh, Game of Thrones, like everything else that that it is possible to like, have come together. And these these parties are the best. Like this truly is. These are the times of our lives. And talking about this series in season five, where people who've even read are now going to be you know shaken a little bit by the ways that the stories go. Like this is the season. This is the time to mm-hmm. to be a fan of this show. And it's ex- really exciting to be sharing this with you guys. Yeah, so exciting. And I'm glad that you're here, Terry. And I'm glad that you made those points. And I'm glad that you excited Eric to this level of excitement <laughs> it's good it's good this that's is... true i don't often wax on about how cool it is to be alive <laughs> no. <laughs> no but it's great and that's one of the points that we we uh i feel like we've been driving it in since some of our con stuff last year but uh this is very much 
Like we're 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 at the tail end, but we're still very deep inside of what is to come inside of the this living organism that is this community and that is this fandom. So for all of you listening, like be be excited that you're on the ground floor and be excited that you're in the middle of the excitement because it's all here and it's all happening. And uh, my point earlier about how all this was how all this was just kind of feeling strange and how I was rewatching things and sort of reconnecting my brain to the times that we had just before the fourth season came around. It's been a whole year since then. We're starting season five Sunday. Um, it's it's the, the, the press engine has been moving steadily. It's going to continue to grow. And we'll lead into the summer's con season, and it'll be a brand new one. We already have uh, many opportunities that are in the works for what we're doing. And we'll get into that, obviously, as the weeks progress. But it's just a really, really awesome time to be a fan of this series and to enjoy the great work that the teams on the sides of the books and the sides of the actual TV show uh, are on. So this is, it's really cool. We have a fourth season to look back on before we dive into this fifth season that I think is still fresh, so fresh in everyone's mind. If we're going off of the scale of this doesn't feel like more than maybe a month ago that it happened. Am I right here guys? Maybe about a month, two months. (laughs) Yeah. It certainly does not feel like a year. Yeah, a couple days for me. I just did a huge rewatch. So it's <laughs> it's very fresh. Last night I finished. So very fresh on my mind. But season four, looking back on remembering when it was airing, just seemed to go by so fast. Um, faster than previous seasons. I don't know. It's something something to do with the pacing, something to do with the polish. Obviously, the show looks better and better every year, every season. But something about this season, it just goes by really quick. And it just feels like one cohesive you know, everybody's story is advancing. It was a heck of a, a lot of fun to watch for the first time. It's a heck of a lot of fun to rewatch and it's certainly fun to talk about. It just felt so fresh and uh, I, obviously I enjoyed it, but, um, you know, there's certain moments. I just have a few come to my head. Roose Bolton referring to Theon, speaking to Ramsay about Theon, he's like, bring your creature with you. I was like, that's yeah. hilarious. I also thought Locke when he was like, who the fuck's Jon Snow? That's also pretty hilarious. <laughs> and just Locke in general meeting Jon Snow uh, and all of the stuff with Carl Tanner at Craster's Keep was, was beautiful. Uh, just some things that pop in my head. What about you guys? No, that's that's one of the things that stood out on this rewatch for me, especially of season four. The, the villains uh, were particularly, I don't know, fun to watch. Like Locke, again, who I hated watching during the show airing now that i know that he gets his maybe that helped (laughs) maybe that helped not knowing that he would just be able to exist and torture creatures like theon uh for seasons indefinitely to come but uh you know Locke in particular um from when he cut off jamie's hand uh in the previous season to just watching him go up north and get involved trying to kill bran for lord bolton and rickon um he was a he was a blast. All of these actors, there's no small actors. There's, there's, there's <laughs> he was a blast. He was a, he was a, he was a blast to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And those characters. So I focused on him a lot. I focused on Carl Tanner. Um, just just watching like had just this sort of the center of my attention and my enjoyment. Um, just knowing how how vile they are as characters, but how much fun it must have been to do that for me. There's no question. Um, just a performance of Oberyn throughout the entire season up until his skull was crushed into a million pieces. But even more so than that, looking at season four, all these moments that we have listed out here, to me it was how was season four going to be able to top season three in the Red Wedding? And I think if you just look through the list that we have here, it's it, it really in many ways outdid season three. There was so much really from the second episode uh, with Joffrey's death 
uh, going all the way through, you know, to the to the battle at the wall, and and finally uh, everything that happens in in the finale with uh, Bran and your favorite children, Eric. Yeah, yeah, my absolute favorite children. Land. I love I love those children. Um, Eric loves children. The, <laughs> I do love children. The uh, the no talking about uh, the Redding real quick, Micah. You, I mean, they had a, a, an episode that was of. Uh, of episode nine proportions in episode two last season, which is the first time they've done that. Where it's just like, yeah, we're going to get this series season started with a huge bang. And that was totally the right call. I think, you know, and they still had their episode nine. They still had that dedicated episode just at the wall, which even the scenes from the wall ran over into episode 10 because it was so big. Mm -hmm. So yeah, absolutely. I, I think this season is, it has been the best yet. Terry, did you have a chance to see the final two episodes of season four in IMAX? I did see them in IMAX and they were incredible. Insane. They were honestly seeing the battle at the wall there. You, you notice things you don't notice just watching it, you know, on your computer, or your TV screen. And that's even, that's what the creator said. Uh, I had a chance, you know, to just casually walk out with them at the end of the night. Uh, Dan and David were there and they, mentioned that they've edited and, you know, looked at these episodes so many times and even they felt like they saw something there that they hadn't before. <laughs> but but you guys are meant talking about like little moments that you just stick with you from season four. And to me it's the the hound's whole chicken speech. Uh, Back in like in the first episode. But to me I mean we credit the the effects and, you know, the great cast that they have, but the writing for this show can just be so on point sometimes. And I think that's something that we really saw last season. The fact that they could bring in a character like the Red Viper and within minutes, within seconds maybe with that orgy scene, like yeah. you're, yeah. you're on board That's a with good him. way to endear the My audience to you. Yeah, I just, I'm really impressed. Um, and I think it's going to be an interesting season for them to try and top because I remember when the actors were doing press at the beginning of season four, they kept saying, you know, we have a lot of red, we have a lot of ep nine yep. episodes, you know, we have a lot of moments like that. And I think that they sort of broke themselves of that mold that everything is building up to a big episode nine. And then the finale is sort of falling action and resolution. So I hope that they keep doing that in season five because Game of Thrones should never, ever be predictable in anything that it does. That's a really great point because press leading into season five, we haven't heard a lot of, a lot of quotes like that. Regarding specific episodes, you mean? Right. Like it, does, it does sound like big moments. A, a pivot away from that. And uh, maybe like season four was the, the first litmus into that yeah. atmosphere. And then now we're going to see sort of the, the new format of how things will be because at the end of the day, how do you go into a show at its scale now launching with a new streaming service, doing what it's doing, without having a certain amount of confidence in your programming and in your writing and in the production of the team that you have? So I think that, if anything, we're going to be we're going to be feasting on what is just sort of the, the, the mid-to-the-end opus of our series so far, and that is very exciting. Yeah, yeah, people haven't really been talking about climactic episodes, but there has been so much talk about death this season. <laughs> like... <laughs> When I joked in the beginning when we first started talking yeah. that everyone dies this season, like maybe that's actually what happens. Maybe no character is left alive it's except the for the doom. dragons. The doom. <laughs> yeah, the doom, the doom of Westeros instead of the doom of Valyria. What was interesting to me during the rewatch was how many, like the kind of where I stand on characters now. 
uh, because I think I like Cersei a lot less now that I've rewatched all, you know, all seasons of it. She was just drunk through the entire fourth season, Eric. Don't judge her too harshly. <laughs> all right. You know, there were characters then who I've actually liked even more, like Jamie. So, hey, they complete each other. And just knowing that uh, Tywin has gone the way he has and Tommen is yet to be married. I mean, these are these are small Lannister plot things that I, I really look forward to in, in the next. I want to see how Jamie and Cersei are, are doing it this, this season. And by doing it, I mean continuing to exist <laughs> yeah. in, in a world. Poor choice of Sans <laughs> their father. Sans their father. Because Tywin really ran the show back from season mm-hmm. two. Uh, even before that, No one that, leaves the capital. Right? He was a behemoth uh, character and, and to see him dead in such a good way, of course, uh, by Tyrion, excellent acting. Peter Dinklage was awesome um, and is awesome. And I can't wait to see more of him, but just knowing that Tywin is gone, it really changes things for King's Landing. And I, I have no idea what to expect, but King's Landing, even without Baelish and Varys too, is going to be a completely different landscape. Right. It's a completely different environment. It's interesting that, King's Landing is really only Cersei and Marjorie now as we go into season five. And I think anyone who's paid attention to casting has heard that there's like this new uh, character being played by Jonathan Price called the High Sparrow. Um, And and so he's like a King's Landing storyline. So yeah, I, I almost feel like the show will be better for that though, because as much as we like can gripe about how spread out all the characters are and they don't intersect, I think really having one main storyline to focus at one location, so Cersei and Marjorie at King's Landing, will make those pop and shine better than if we're, we have Tyrion there and we have Jaime there and we have all this other stuff going on and Cersei is sort of on the back burner. So that's what I'm really excited about this season with her. Because I don't like Cersei. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> I'm on your team, Eric. I don't. I don't know if you're supposed to do like you, her. I'm also do you happen Eric. to like Theon as well? I am. Well, all. Mm-hmm. I think that Reek, like he wasn't a good person when he was Theon, but no one deserves what happened to him. My problem, though, is I really enjoy Ramsay, yeah. which you're definitely not it's a fine shot, to do. Master. <laughs> fine shot. There's something about the bad boy, isn't there? It's just it's how gleeful he is. Like it's it's just the way he acts about this stuff, and that he's sort of grounded and just wanting to please his father. But I didn't care for Joffrey. Obviously, we aren't supposed to care for Joffrey. But to me, there's something just like a little bit fun about Ramsay um, that, yeah, is just me being a terrible person. But I, I enjoy that plot. No, no, I don't enjoy that plot line. Not Go That's ahead. not the right word it's for okay. it. It's well, very Eric's a big Theon fan. It's very interesting That's why we ask. I'll say that my favorite sequence from season four... Um, was definitely the hunting scene with him and Tensi and the hounds. Uh, and the hounds? That's your favorite? Absolutely really? beautiful. Beautifully shot. And it, uh, it felt shot. terrifying. It just felt it felt so visceral. It felt very grounded and real. And I think it, it did really well to expand the the universe that we're living in inside of Westeros. It's good to see more exterior. Yeah. But it started widening things for me and it came very early on in the uh the, the fourth season overall. So I don't know. Kind of strange. But I, I actually, understand. Those are good scenes. Yeah, I get it. Um what you're saying with uh expanding in, in the exteriors, uh for me I just thought, you know, the passage of time is so is so 
not touched upon on the show. Like, you know, a month could pass between scenes of a single episode at times. I mean, maybe a couple weeks. But still, for me, that scene with the hounds was just like when they let... I, I just what struck me was that they let Reek out. They let Theon out. Like he's been in a cage right. for the longest of times, and they're letting him. You know, Ramsay's now confident enough that he has broken him psychologically that he can just have him there, hobbling, shuffling along, running behind them, and witnessing this. It's like, oh, we're gonna take you hunting. We're, you know, we're taking the dogs, and we might as well bring you here. Just come watch this. And it's a it's another way to to fully uh, torture him, obviously, because he's got to witness this girl being eaten alive. But uh, at the same time, there I felt good for him because I'm like, oh, they're letting him out now. That's nice. He gets some exercise. That's healthy. It's I totally actually, healthy. I really, I think my favorite Theon Ramsey or Reek Ramsey storyline moment was when Ramsey had Reek shave him. Yeah. While they talk about. The Red Red Wedding. Wedding. Like, that to me, I was on the edge of my seat because you're like, just slit his throat. Just do it. Just do it. And then you're like, just devastated by how much of Theon is gone. And that to me, even more than Yara showing up and him not going with her Mm -hmm. and him thinking it's another trick, like that to me is when you really feel in your gut how far Theon has gone. Yeah. The blade was right there. You know, yeah, yeah, it was, and so was Bolton. I mean, Roos, the the yeah. whole presence of Roos in that scene. You know, Ramsay wants to show him how good he's been at at breaking Theon, and no better way than that. I mean, come on, that's that's crazy. Dro- <laughs> and he's just name dropping. Yeah, Rob Stark's death. He's totally impressed. Yeah, he impressed. and at the same time, he hasn't yet legitimized Ramsay Snow, which happened later uh, in the season. But at that time, it's like if Theon does slit his throat, well. You know, he's just a bastard at that point. It's like, what have I got to lose? So Roos lets it happen, and he's 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 impressed by Ramsay. He does take Mo Kalen, all right? Yeah. Doesn't keep his word, though. He's not honorable. He flays all those Iron Men. I know, but he's moving <laughs> things along for the the Bolton Inquisition up the north. Bolt, yeah. It's happening yeah. for him. And uh, obviously, we get that sort of really wide, beautiful shot at the very end of the season, kind of hinting toward the Bolton North with all the leagues in each direction that they're essentially going to be in control of. So that's also something that I'm very much looking forward to. Maybe he'll uh, meet his match this season. Oh, Micah. There you are. (laughs) Doesn't that make you sad, though, that you're talking about looking back to season one and how much time has passed. Where we're at right now in the show, the Boltons who betrayed Rob Stark mm-hmm. and killed him and Catelyn and Lisa rule the North. I hate it. The yeah. only person left in King's Landing, Cersei Lannister. Like, this is the <laughs> <Yeah>. worst. <laughs> when you put it on paper, thing. it really sucks. <laughs> yeah, like, we didn't think it could get worse, but it actually is the worst, which is perfect because there's no better time for Daenerys to come in. But is she even a good queen is the big question that we're left with after she's conquered all these cities. Right. So who, who knows? Maybe everything will just crumble. My longstanding theory for the end of this, which is based purely on its ridiculousness, is that by the end of the final season book, whatever, Westeros will just be leveled. It'll just <laughs> be like a smoking ruin. Okay, and like from this. under a rock, Rickon will pop, and he'll just be the only one left. <laughs> that's it. That's going to be that's, all that that's it is. Funny. That's funny. I, I, that's funny. We know uh, through news 
that has made its way through even my unsullied ears that Bran and Hodor will not be in this season. Is that is that correct? Is that that accurate? is correct? Yeah. But I wasn't sure about Bre- about Rickon. Um, <laughs> You're funny. You're cute. Yeah, Rickon's <laughs> not in here. <laughs> like if they're not going to have Bran, they're not going to find a way to work. Well, back no, they're Rickon. separate. It makes don't yeah. you think that it's a plausible like, that, that they would show Asha um, and Rickon. Well, there's they also been not. news released. Yeah, they've confirmed that they're not going to be. Okay, thank you. Season. That's all I was seeking yeah. was the information. Um, now I won't say it. I, won't, I will forget I bring it up. My favorite thing in season one uh, when it was coming out was someone made this Tumblr that's just like, where is rickon.tumblr.com? Because in all the promotional material and all the photos that came out, he's like not in any of it. And they were just like, where's Rickon? He's in Mordor. And they like photoshopped him on Mordor because he's like, he's on his journey. And I would love it to be that the like forgotten youngest Stark is the most important Stark. But I yeah. don't, I don't think that's necessarily going to happen. Yeah. I mean, Bran, uh, my girlfriend pointed out this, this to me in rewatch, like he's the first chapter, right? In, in, uh, in a game of Thrones, the first yeah. book after, I mean, so he, if you go by like, that means he's important and just kind of take it to where he's, where his storyline ends at the end of season four with him meeting this, uh, this being the three-eyed raven who's hanging out with the children. Um, you get the sense that he's in it for the long haul. Definitely. Like, surely we don't know who's safe. It's never safe to say that a character is safe. But Bran, for me, I think will have a, a say. Talking about so like, the very last you're saying scene. based on the fact that he was the first point of view character, he will survive the whole series. No, is but that, I'm saying, is that what you're going with? In terms of if we're looking at uh, the final, if we're talking about the final scene, I think it'll have something to do It'll be with, Bran. It'll be Bran warging into a dragon. Like... And and kicking ass, like kicking Daenerys's own ass from underneath her through that, uh, which is a theory that I got because the Three-Eyed Raven says to uh, Bran uh, that you'll never walk again, but you, you will fly. You guys read the scene where Danny is in the House of the Undying mm-hmm. and she sees her brother Rhaegar and there's this prophecy that the dragon has three heads. Yes, yes. That he hears and he thinks is about his son. Yeah, there is a theory that maybe Bran could end up being one of those three heads, specifically for that reason. And boy, would I love to see poor little crippled Bran Stark warg into a dragon, be a badass. But I'm not so gonna cool. lie, I'm like so hesitant about jumping to any conclusions with this series that I totally think that Bran is gonna end up being like a bad guy. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. There are there are many many different directions this this can all go, and I kind of like the fact that it's still a little too early to gather tough and hardened conclusions. You know, yeah. we're still yeah. able to be a little unsure about some things, or a lot of unsure about a lot of things. And for that, I'm I'm very thankful. One of my favorite things that came out recently, and I'm not gonna like say what um what was revealed in it, but some UK book publisher put up George R. R. Martin's original treatment that he sent in pitching Game of Thrones with like the entire plot. I did too. (laughs) And it was so, so interesting, especially you can see in there the characters he intended, like the five characters he intended to live through the end. And I wonder if that's going to change or not. I wonder if he's going to stick true to that or decide that he wanted to go a different way with something. But um, beyond the Arya and John incest that was supposed to be a part of that story, which I totally would be on board with, totally would have been on board (laughs) with. um, yeah, there. Like, I thought that was really interesting. So, if if anyone wants to go out and Google it, it's out there. 
potential spoilers since obviously the book has changed a lot since then. But I thought that was interesting. Much more simplified version of what we're getting now. So I'm really happy to see that we've we've moved into the world that we have because it's so unbelievably more complex. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is it's it's interesting to see how much different what we know now um, is from what is in that uh, in that document, because uh, I don't know, if, if some of that stuff happened, I, I think my mind would be blown even more than it is right now. But even simple things like the fact that it was supposed to be a three part series, right? It wasn't even supposed to become this seven part saga that it is now. Uh, and yeah. The Arya John incest was just one part of it. So the best uh, part. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, the best part was the John oh, Arya oh, Tyrion love triangle, which is a real thing. I'm not making that up. Well, th- this is what we're doing, ladies and gentlemen. We hope that this this uh, this this therapy is good for you. I know it feels good for me. I feel like I'm getting as our conversation progresses. I feel like I'm slightly getting more prepared for the world to see the premiere of season five on Sunday night. You know. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. yeah, and one thing I wanted to ask uh, Terry about is, you know, we we did get a little bit of a taste for the show going in a different direction in season four, and even revealing some things that we weren't anticipating, and and most of that actually took place beyond the wall uh, when you know, we had that whole scene at Craster's Keep where John and, and Bran were literally yards, yards away <laughs> from uh, meeting up with each other. And then the whole scene with us getting a chance to see exactly how White Walkers are made, uh, at least, uh, you know. So what were your thoughts on that? You know, as a book reader, were you were you kind of just stunned by the end of that episode? I was very much stunned when they, especially because in the... um the Game of Thrones synopsis that HBO put up online afterwards, they called that character the Night's King. The Night's King, yeah. Which if you like dive deep into those Game of Thrones books, which I certainly have, the Night's King is an important character. And they later like what? backtracked and they were like, oh, we don't know what that was supposed to be. That's totally who that <laughs> character is. Right. Um, <laughs> and yeah, like to me, I'm not as concerned so much about being spoiled or having the show get ahead of the books, but to me getting a chance to get deeper mythology from the show than I have gotten from the books, which is the exact opposite of what's happened up until this point is like weird. It just feels like bizarre, um, but really intriguing. Comparing it to what we all lived through with Potter and how we were all connected in, in that world and how we're doing a similar thing with Game of Thrones. It's it's very interesting to see the evolution of the screen adaptations, you know, since it's also in sort of a, I don't want to say in a canonical format, but it's definitely incremental versus seeing a film come out every three years. So I feel like the right. way they're, they're feeding into each other while also having a book being released alongside it and having two books that have yet to be published is very interesting. And this, this is the first time it's ever happened. And I think that this is going to set the bar for a lot of similar circumstances, like whatever the next Potter or Thrones will be in a handful of years. This is definitely setting the bar, and uh, it's going to be a good test run for a lot of different things. Yeah, I, I talk about this and the whole books pa- or show passing the books part. And, you know, I've talked to people who work on the show, and they're like, we don't really see what the problem is. Like, it has to happen, whatever. But I don't think there's ever been a situation. Right? Like, can you imagine if they were like, sorry, Joe Rowling, but we have to finish the movies first. And they ended the Harry Potter 
movies before they ended the books. Right. They would just wait. And obviously a TV show is different and I don't think they necessarily can wait. I think George just needs to write faster, but it does feel like selling your audience short a little bit, letting something else tell your story before you do. Yeah. That that was my big concern. And you certainly, I'm not somebody who has invested 25 years into reading this series. If I was, I'd probably not want to watch the show because I wouldn't want to be spoiled. Yeah, a lot of people feel that way. I, I certainly understand that perspective. Um, but at the same time, only having picked up the books a couple of years ago, I, I feel a little bit like they do because I've invested time, obviously, into reading the books. I don't want to be spoiled ahead of me sitting down with a book and you know, as I turn the page, not sure what's coming next. So there, there is some validity to, to that argument. And, you know, that's not to say I'm not going to watch the TV show. Obviously, uh, I am. There's we do, we do a, a podcast, podcast about it. Like a- <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, unless I decide to back out in the next 72 hours, I think that, uh, I'm, I'm kind of stuck with it, but, uh, yeah, I, I can get the fact that it's frustrating for some people. I just try to find my peace with it. Yeah. For me, for some, for as somebody who is not, uh, who, unless there, there is a, another five years be- between the show and the books, who's, who's just not going to be able to read all the books, uh, before the series finishes, who's in it primarily for the series. The series is what moves me. The, the books are amazing and I enjoy reading and finding out more, but I, I'm kind of, I don't know. I like the flashy abridged version that, <laughs> I mean, abridged, but you know, David and Dan have had all the right conversations with George. So they are going to show those, those, special most important moments but for me like as somebody who enjoys that and somebody who's looking forward to it season five season six whatever's coming is is just going to be a a big trip for me like i'm i'm really looking forward to it (laughs) i I live in constant pain every day this it's hard yeah zach has made the ultimate sacrifice zach and eric both (sighs) in in not reading and becoming sullied yeah i'll i'll amend what i said before if all the books were out I would not be waiting to read them all. <laughs> I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be. I would. I would have. I would have read them all. I'm looking forward to just a collection of emails from the listeners that say there is one sullied host on Game of Thrones now. You need two, Zach. Please just read them and get caught up. And I'll be like, <laughs> yes, thank you. <sighs> well, actually, Terry's going to come on um, moving forward. Yeah, full time. Uh, I decided. <laughs> <sighs> well, this is it. just a test run. Well, I keep. It's funny you say that because I. George R. R. Martin has been talking about the book so much and like released a chapter. And there was a moment where Nikolai Coster Waldo, who plays Jamie, said he heard the book was done. And I just keep feeling like oh. maybe if I just sit very, very still and I'm very, <laughs> very patient, it'll just like arrive on my door and that'll be it. And I won't have to wait anymore. Like maybe if I'm just like, just like wait very patiently in my chair for like an hour, it'll just happen and get announced. Yeah. And I I keep having this, but where I'm like, Oh, like what, what can I do to expedite this process? Oh, nothing. Just keep waiting. But I really feel like the end is in sight for this one, whether it's the end of this year or early 2016. So now your view, uh, Terry, then to extrapolate of season five is going to be, I mean, obviously there's plenty of new characters that will be introduced to, but do you think it'll be kind of about furthering the core characters, story, story plots more than, I mean, besides introducing that whole new place, Dorne, do you think that it'll be mostly just like a continuation of maybe the top five characters? Yeah, and I would I would expand that to like maybe the top ten characters. And I think the only reason they're doing Dorne is because they 
they found a way to make one of those characters be a part of that story. Oh, interesting. I th- yeah, I mean, that's because there are like two subplots they could have chosen from, and they chose one, and I think that's the reason why they chose that over the other. But I think that this is very much going to be about what happens to Arya, what happens to John, what happens to Danny, what happens to Jamie and Cersei and Tyrion and Brienne and Sansa, like those main characters and maybe not service those like third or fourth tier ones who we haven't heard from in a while, unless it's something in a throwaway line. Uh, I think the only way to bring those back in is to do it in a way that they intersect with one of the main ones and have them serve a purpose. And I know I keep like being teasery, but they do that. There's a character we haven't seen since season two who comes back in the mm-hmm. first episode back. Oh, wow. But to serve a bigger purpose. Right. A higher purpose. A higher purpose. A uh, higher say. purpose. And that's not higher. a pot joke. One of the things about um, you know, season five, though, is that it seems like you have that convergence of characters that, is slowly starting to take shape. The major characters, right? We know finally some others are joining Danny out east. You know, Arya is going to Bravos. Tyrion is most likely headed in that direction with with Varys, right? Uh, which is a bit of a departure from the books, which you know we can talk about uh, as we get into the season. But you know, you have two major point of view characters two characters that this series has focused on so much now headed off to the east so it's interesting that we're now moving the series a little bit in that direction and north i mean with both with stannis melisandre davos are now at the wall with john Mm -hmm. and everything that's going on with and mance you know if you i mean he's a king for crying out loud you know everything that's happening up north you've got the boltons you have sansa appearing to head in that direction as right? well with little finger so, so they there uh, are a lot there's a lot of convergence um which will probably be awesome yeah it's at the point it's at the point you need to start bringing those characters back together and that's another thing i've been thinking about like how long will audiences patiently wait for danny to invade westeros because i don't think they have that many more seasons in them that can't oh, be final really? season material i mean as a book reader i know you know this right? <laughs> i mean come on danny speed it up a little bit no, I know. You don't need another young guy you don't i know she's learning hey the second sons are handling young guy well look i i think that she's I, that was kind of smart for her to say uh i need to rule you know, here before I can rule there because I need to know how to become a better ruler. That is certainly smart. She's, yeah. <laughs> but she's not doing the best job in the world, to wise. be honest with you. Well, she's not, but she's going to get better. Her dragons are roasting kids. We should hope they that she gets better. Her dragons are out of control. At least one of them is, the one that got away. At the very least, she's going to give us a very entertaining season five. Yeah. I hope so. I don't know. I was kind of watching, I didn't realize it until he left, but I was kind of watching her subplot for Jorah <laughs> now. <laughs> Now he's gone. One of the big things that I wanted to ask Terry about is going into season five, we've heard a lot. You mentioned it earlier that people are going to die, which we know, but we also are faced with a situation uh, where there's going to be some characters that are killed off that either haven't died yet in the books, or maybe they don't die at all in the series. And just wondering what you think of that. I mean, looking back on season four, there was a ton of notable deaths uh, that, that we saw. You know, Joffrey, Tywin, Shay, Ygritte, 
Lysa, Oberyn, Jojen. The list goes on and on. There's a few question marks at the end. I think with the Hound and the Mountain, are they really dead? Are they still alive? You know, we saw the Mountain being injected by uh, Kyburn. Kyburn. So who knows what's up there? Creepy bastard. <laughs> but you know, what do you make of all this? You know, especially as a book reader, knowing that there's going to be characters who die that. You know, you're going to have to wait to open up The Winds of Winter and, and the final book to find out if it's actually true. Yeah, what what I think is interesting is that we've already hit that point where characters have started dying who aren't dead in the books. The biggest example to me is Jojen. I was so surprised last year when they killed off Jojen because he's still with Bran and Mira last year. There is an amazing theory um, based on the book's that Jojen is dead. And so people had maybe guessed that, but it was never confirmed. And now we get this confirmation. And people like Gren, um, not dead, still alive in the books. Mm, and I like that. to me, I mean, if, if that keeps happening, if there keep being bigger and bigger characters where their storylines are cut short, but they still continue on in the books that we know of, it's, you know, it's a hard question to ask. Does that mean that they aren't important in the books? Or does right. that mean that there's just something else that's going to happen with them? Another example is um, Rob's wife in the book. Her name was Jane Westerling. In right. the show, she is Talisa. Uh, she dies in the show. George R. R. Martin said at Comic-Con, he's right. writing her into the prologue of The Winds yeah. of Winter. So, and he he stands very firmly by the books or the books, the show or the show. But it it is hard. And I mean, there could be some big Big char- I feel like they wouldn't be talking about it like this if they weren't major characters who get killed, who aren't mm-hmm. dead in the books. And that's hard. The implications are strong. We, we've often harped on the difference between the book and the series, especially ever since George was so adamant about it during that panel last year. But it's something that we've, we've kind of we've reached a point with our listeners. I remember a few weeks back, we were like, all right, guys, you know, from this point on moving forward, it's going to be X and Y, but your point is, your point is very sound at the same time. It's like, okay, we can understand the situation and be fully cognizant of how we should feel. But at the same time, the implications could and should be maybe very strong when things are adapted in certain ways. So it'll be interesting to see how we all pull away from it. Yeah. It, it, gosh, it must be interesting with Jojen because like in the show, and it just rewatches because it's it's episode ten, you know, it's the last episode. Is uh, Jojen dies? Brand's talking about it with the Three Eyed Raven, and the Three Eyed Raven's like he knew that was going to happen. <laughs> it's like he always knew from the second he left that he was going to die in service of getting you to me. And I'm just like, yeah. oh, that's kind well, of he a, like sees a, it at Craster's, yeah. right? Well, he does see. They showed that was awesome. He sees his own hand on fire, but uh, and it was so it was foreshadowed like an episode earlier in the book or whatever. But I think that it's kind of it was very dismissive. Uh, of the Three-Eyed Raven to be like, yeah, he he knew that was going to happen. Um, it's like he's doomed. It's like telling all the book readers, hey, this character's doomed. Um, whereas in the books, it's not the same case. Although I will ask uh, Terry, too, because the show, we see, we've read uh, Up to the Red Wedding in Storm of Swords, and by that point, Balon Greyjoy is supposedly killed, supposedly mm-hmm. dead. And in the show, he's kind of still kicking. So yeah, we don't what know. If, what if, as a character, they keep him on in the show longer than the next couple episodes? Because, I mean, he is due to die, based on all we've read so far in the books. And that's book three. Right. Balin dying is a trigger for another 
thing that happens in the books that they are not included in the show this season. So I honestly, I'm unsure if they're either going to just have that happen off screen and mention he died, this thing happened, or if they're just saving it, maybe they'll have time to do it next season because they had to make a choice one or the other. They couldn't do Dorn in this other thing. Uh, and they chose to do Dorn. So I think that's the only reason we haven't heard about it yet is because they aren't ready to deal with it. I think it's important that they have decided to do Dorn. You know, the whole Greyjoy situation, you know, in the, in the books that we've read thus far, you know, there is mention of Euron and, and Victarion. And so we'll see, I guess, how that storyline plays itself out after we work our way through season five and start the reread up again. But, uh, you know, one thing I think a lot of us are, are excited for is going to Dorne, mm. right? Oh, we, yeah. We've seen the Sand Snakes. I've got my sunblock packed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're asking me uh, to read 300 pages of Ironborn stuff or read 300 pages of Dornish stuff, especially after season four, you know, the Red Viper and seeing how cool he was and how Dorne must just be awesome. I'm totally going to choose Dorne as well. That would be my choice reading over reading that over the saltwashed Ironborn who are all about the drowned gods. So like that's, that's where my preference lies too. I will say when I read Feast for the first time, I liked the Ironborn stuff better. Uh, it takes a little while to really figure out what's happening with the Dornish, Dornish stuff. But I think that's part of what will make this season fun. Okay. Is figuring that out as you go. And the fact that they seem to be sending Braun and Jamie there. They do seem to be sending them there. It seems that way, Mike. No, they've confirmed that. There are photos <laughs> out. I don't have to play coy. <laughs> but that's what I mean. I think that's why they kept that storyline in because they could find a way to have that be Jamie's storyline and not just adding in new characters who you might not necessarily care about if they didn't go that route. And, um, and Oberyn's paramour, Ilaria Sand, who we got to know last season, is actually like replacing a book character in that function where she is another person we care about. And instead of introducing someone new, they're just going to sort of like merge that. I feel like that's going to be a trend in season five for people who care merging about the characters. Books. Just merging characters and using familiar faces instead of introducing new because they already I had to make a gallery at Zap to it to explain all the secondary characters who no one knew <laughs> their names or what they did or what their backstory was. They had to change Asha's name to Yara because people confused right. it with Osha. Like I have zero everyone Supposedly, thinks Lancel right? and Loris are the same person. Like I have oh, I have little faith with people when too many characters are involved. So I understand those changes. Set up in season four for the Braun and Jamie companionship was masterfully oh, done. Love the uh, training grounds where he takes Legood's wife, masterfully done. And I hope to see well, the way the Lannisters felt and the way the Lannisters received Oberyn. The way that Tywin and, and during, especially during the wedding, when when Oberyn was clearly being kind of a jackass right in front of them, and referring <laughs> right. to Cersei as Lady Cersei, which is the first time in the entire series we've ever heard that yeah. out loud. I think that it's just very smart setup. It was very intelligent the way it was all put together. So seeing how it falls from season five, I think it's just a brilliant example of the writing and how much how headstrong the staff is putting all of this together. They're very confident, and I think that season five is going to be. A, a very strong example of that for a lot of people. Yeah. I, I think there's just, there's so much to look forward to. Um, you know, I, I still think there's fallout from what happened to 
um, Joffrey at his wedding and how that storyline is going to continue to play itself out with the master manipulator being Peter Baelish. And, you know, the fact that he's really set so much of what we've experienced on the show and in the books in motion. Right. Um, you know, Tyrion headed out east. Uh, you know, how is that all going to play out for him? Who could he potentially meet up with? Where is he going? Uh, you know, Arya headed east to Bravos. I'm, I'm kind of disappointed. I don't know, Terry, if you agree at all that um the the introduction to bravos <laughs> was spoiled a little bit with um stannis and davos heading there last season uh the micah, iron bank listen, is Terry, awesome. micah really that wanted moment. that titan shot with Arya at like the, the head of the ship <laughs> well we get it we get it at the end i don't think that it was spoiled i also really like mark gaddis because of sherlock and yep. doctor who so I did not complain about that. And sometimes it's better to remind people something exists with a visual. Like, hey, the Iron Throne is in horrible debt to Bravos. Maybe that's a thing we should deal with. Yeah, and it, it perfectly sets up uh, Stannis heading north and really saving John's ass. Uh, and I want to see how this is all going to play itself out in season five now with Stannis and Melisandre there. Right. We had, Michelle, we had Melisandre eyeing Jon Snow mm-hmm. through the flames. Very pointed look. <laughs> I think eye boning was the Eye boning. Oh, love it. Love I, it, love I just want to say to all of those very hardened Stannis fans out there, we know that you exist. The Manus. The Manus, exactly. Seeing the, the Manus in such close proximity to Ned Stark's son. Mm-mm-mm. Get ready, folks. <laughs> Your father was a good man. He, it's like, he, it's just, he just, I just want to hear them talk about Ned uh, yeah. for hours. Like, he was a good man. You know, just... <laughs> <laughs> yep. You know, I, I uh, had forgotten that Shireen Baratheon comes uh, along as mm-hmm. well. They, they and, and actually, Melisandre, there's a scene where, which I had completely forgotten about in season four, where Solis asks Melisandre or suggests that Shireen be left behind, uh, at presumably at Dragonstone. And Melisandre convinces her and says that the Lord of Light has purpose of her, that she needs to be on the boat uh, that goes up north, and that to me was extremely interesting. I hope she'll have a little subplot. Maybe there's somebody at the wall that she can teach to read or something. You know, That doesn't fill you with total foreboding? Dread? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but I'm like, she's no. Got, she's no, got she King's Blood, behind. right? Melisandre's always about King's Blood. Yeah, and not for good reasons. <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah. There was also a scene, I don't know if you guys have seen it, uh, where she's going up in the lift with John. Yeah, we were talking about the uh, no, I haven't the eye boning earlier, but she point blank asks him if he's a virgin, <laughs> and he says no, and she says good. Well, we all know how personal elevators can get, guys. <laughs> <laughs> if that were to stop halfway up a nine hundred foot wall, John would seriously consider climbing it. I've done it once. I've done it once. <laughs> I can just get out. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. That's when I clearly just Grey's an, or uh, Game of Thrones take on a Grey's Anatomy elevator scene. There you go. Oh, there, there you go. go. We're crossing. We're cross referencing here. This is yeah. what we do on Game of Thrones. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you're all listening, and and you, I know you would like this episode to last 17 hours because this is a, mm. essentially this is the last time that we'll ever have sort of a an innocent perspective before the fifth season. This happens every year, and this is the moment. And let's feel it together. Ah. Uh, so now we, we move on to things that you have sent us. Words. I mean, I guess we could call them owns, right, guys? I mean, are these are these technically yeah, we've owns? been calling them owns all 265 previous episodes, right? But we're not necessarily owning anything particularly now. We're just sort of <laughs> we're sort of gathering the thoughts of the masses. 
you're an army of unsullied and sullied alike, and uh, you're headed towards a very, very dangerous monolithic season five, which we will all murderously take down with excitement, right? We're going to make all of the yes. web servers yeah. crash. Nothing will load properly. It's going to be beautiful. I hope HBO Go does load, though, and doesn't crash, because I'm going to be relying on it at least one week this season. Of course, uh, we did get a number of owns on Twitter, and, and you know because Terry is our guest, and she actually uh, knows our first uh, tweeter, <laughs> I don't know what to call her, uh, Janice, right? Mm-hmm. Would you like to read it? Sure. They asked, looking forward to the Battle of the Queens in King's Landing. Hashtag catfight. Ooh. Ooh. Battle of the Queens, right? Queen and Queen Regent? Or former like Queen Regent? Yeah. Or lady? Yeah. Uh, don't Seriously? call her Queen Regent to her face. No, do yeah. not. Ooh. The Queen says that you must go down and feed all of the leftovers to the kennels. Oh, gosh. That's going to be fun. Yeah. That's, I mean, come on. What else is there to look forward to in King's Landing? And Natalie Dormer is so amazing as Marjorie Tyrell. That yeah. the chemistry she and Lena Heavey have is so good for this sort of scene. So, yeah, that's definitely something that I know that I'm going to love in the first. And I love that scene, that brief scene with between Marjorie and Tommen. I'm I'm a big fan of that scene. Yes. Where she just, you know, she kisses him on the forehead and is like, I'm going to be yours. He's like, he just has a great evening then after that. Yeah, he's like, yeah, you are. Yeah. <laughs> Sir Pounce. Yeah. Sir Pounce, yes, of I course. I don't want to be Is he back queen. in season five? I want he's to be not. He's queen. not. Don't he got know. fired. No. That's what Dean Charles I heard he was a pain me. in the ass to yeah, deal with. he was. Oh, man. Yeah, he, I did this super cute interview with him at, yeah, the, at the premiere, and Dean was like, yeah, well, you know, everyone was really excited, but at the end of the day, he is a cat. And he doesn't yep. really take stage directions. Not that well. <laughs> that's the best. I thought he jumped up on the bed like he was born to do it, but I, hey, that's just me. Well, he was. We were in like the third stage of having that cat on the show last year, and it all just fell through, so <laughs> we, we, we understand what's what's happening. I feel like we could pretend that we have that cat on the show and just put in cat sounds for all of his Eric, answers. I'm not Don't editing spoil any it for shots people. of yeah, making cat noises. I don't think our listeners oh, are okay, like, we'll right, save that for right. Patreon. You're okay? right. They deserve better. Oh, yeah, Patreon. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, you know... Talking about Twitter, though, and people who sent us in uh, new stuff, Colton adds that the Tyrion Varys Roadshow, mm-hmm. something they're looking forward to, and the reappearance of, who's this? Lord Frenzo. <laughs> Jorah Mormon, obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, I hope he man. does reappear. I mentioned that I watched the Danny subplot mostly for him and his love for her, and the so I hope that Khaleesi. he can find, so, yeah, the way he says Khaleesi. Uh, Really just uh, hope that he can find some redemption and a way of living uh, with himself after his dismissal from Marine. Stephen D'Souza says Sand Snakes. Enough said. I think we're all looking forward to them um, because that one was so short. I'll go with uh, Gary Manis, who says definitely the Arya and Jackin reunion. Been a long time since she received the Bravosian coin, Valar Morgolis. But it's stainless. Didn't rest. May have a little bit more blood on it than it did when, when before he gave it to her, though. Erica Kiana writes. She says, "Watching Danny kicking butt and taking names." We hope that was very short, and I think I think that's safe to say. I'll, I'll move on to the next one. Jasmine Marie says, "So many things. I'm curious to see how Marcella's storyline will play out, but I'm also excited for all things Stark related." Ida Askoff says Cersei's storyline and Arya's storyline. Can't wait to see how they interpret the House of Black and White, and mm. Cersei walking will be cool. 
And I agree with both of those things. Cersei walking. Yeah, she's got a nice uh, lot of flowing She's got a good flowing gait. gowns. Yeah. yeah. She's got a good gait. I'm sure her G-A-I-T. gown will be really involved in that walk. Oh. Evan Barrera says, seeing John interact with the rightful king of Westeros. <laughs> I love it. Stannis Baratheon. Stannis Baratheon, but did not spell Baratheon right. So clearly Bars not the... that much of a rightful Bars king. Barstheon. <laughs> He'll have the grammatical centers of your brain I love spelling how that, Evan. adamant so many of our listeners are about Stannis. They never refer to him as simply Stannis. It's like the rightful king of Westeros. The rightful king Stannis. Yeah, yeah. Well, you clearly have to justify your love of Stannis. It's contagious because Davos does it, right? He He's always the one introduces king. Stannis. Yeah. Like the Lord of the Andals and the Roin. And the... Yeah. Daenerys Stormborn says, it's hey, easy. Danny. Badass sand snakes, so she's a fan. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, dragons, of course. Oh, come on. You're biased, Danny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> come on. And that one was short yeah. as well. So, uh, we did hear from uh, Rohan Gotabed, nice, who uh, of course played young Sirius Black yes. in yes. Uh, the Potter films. Who is a listener of the show, and he says that moment when my sister will pop up on screen and I'll be seething with jealousy. We will be too. Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And I guess the next one kind of ties into that. Not George R. R. Martin says to Rohan, "Go to bed, Rohan. <laughs> Bet no one has said that to you before." <laughs> Hashtag genius. Man, hashtag hashtag GRM genius. Yeah, very accurate. I love that. Bevan Boychuk writes, he says, Night's Watch stuff. How do Stannis and Jon Snow get along? We shall see. Hashtag sullied. I'm so excited. Mm. I can really hold it in. Well, uh, Mezo or Misa says, that's easy. Daenerys and Drogon. Fire and blood. Try the ale. Try the ale. Yeah, the ale is good. Uh, Angie says, Arya, always Arya. Not bad. And MDW says the Tyrion and Varys vacay. Oh, those two boys. <laughs> That's my favorite one. <laughs> Terry, I heard they're getting their own sitcom. Did you get that release? No, but I really wish that the Tyrion and Bronn sitcom had happened. Yeah, they parted on okay terms, I guess. Some love there still. Andriana Castle says, I'm looking forward most to see, to see how they change the plot from the books. Hashtag Sully to become unsullied. Represent. <laughs> Right? Yeah. I do like the first Facebook response, though, from Ra Genoese Serna, <laughs> which is, you're on Greyjoy, dot, dot, dot. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. <laughs> We're all with you. We're all with you. It'll be okay. We did ask, of course, what you're most looking forward to and over on Facebook. We also heard from Marianne Schwellinger, who says, hopefully the end of Ramsey's lady friend cannot stand her. <laughs> wait, Marianne, how do you feel about Ramsey, for crying out loud? <laughs> Hey, I'm with her. All right. All right. No, this is not sullied as she doesn't exist in the books. Okay. So no one really knows what's in store for her. Chances okay. are she's going to die using the clues we've gotten before. She's probably yeah. just going to die. No one that close to Ramsey stays alive for long. Ashley Forrester Wharf says, as a sullied, I'm really excited to be surprised again. And the sand snakes. Every, everyone I get has the sand snakes in it. <laughs> um, and then. M. Mackey says, everything to do with Sansa. That's good. Also, Cersei and the Tyrells. Looking forward to see how all how all that pans out, considering the Lannisters have suffered a few pretty serious losses recently. Yep. Finally, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's about time. Mm-hmm. We heard from Fran King, who says, like most of the storylines, in general, I'm just happy this series is back. Looking forward to the journey we're all going to have. That's that's beautiful, actually. I'm very much looking forward to this all journey it together. It's going to be fun. And uh, and Louis Philippe Pilon 
says anything involving the sand snakes. There's another vote for the sand snakes. I think GOT is at the uh, forefront when it comes to empowering strong female characters, so I have high expectations for Oberyn's seed. And anything involving goth Sansa is exciting. <laughs> so yeah, I guess I'm into chicks for season five. I'm such a macho nerd. Oh, Louis-Philippe. Oh, Louis-Philippe. Louis-Louis-Philippe. <laughs> Dwayne Roberts says Drogon and Sansa. I support House Targaryen, but I can't help but love Sansa Stark, even though she comes from a family of idiots. Harsh words. <laughs> Ouch. Dwayne Ouch, Dwayne. And so I'm looking forward to her storyline this year. I also love dragons, but honestly Me think too. Daenerys needs to be bitch slapped. All right. Ouch. And reminded of who she was in season one when she was worth rooting for. Dwayne. Interesting. Buddy. Whoa. That's wow. a strong feelings from a strong man. Yeah. Alex Black just <laughs> says... Dark Sansa. Kind of like Dark yeah. Link, right? Right? Just like Dark Link. Dark side of the force. And can I just say Locke looks just like Ingo from Lon Lon Ranch? I just want to say that out loud. So all you I listening, that just is. Google. It looks just like him. Anyway, Rob Williams <laughs> writes, he says, definitely waiting to see how the show makes it back to Winterfell. In all honesty, the settings are what I look forward to. Winterfell, The Wall, and Dorne. <sighs> Rachel Jenkins says, in no particular order, Jamie and Braun and Dorne, Arya and Bravos. Drogon in Marine. Uh, we heard from Kate Appleby, who sometimes writes in. She says, I'm nervously looking forward to Sansa, but I'm mostly excited to see things that are from the books, mainly Dorne and some events with Marjorie, Marjorie and Cersei. Okay. Gil Pound says, definitely Sansa's storyline, because I have no idea what's going to happen there. And finally, Nathan Larson says, really looking forward to the Arya plot line. Love reading her chapters in Feast for Crows and Dance with Dragons. I think it's safe to say that we're looking forward to everything, right? Yeah. Everything. <laughs> Every character Is there anything, was touched on. You know what? Did anyone say Ramsey? Let's we see. Did. You, you, uh, did. Yeah, you did. You did. Yeah, we did. Yeah. No no one none of the listeners want to see Ramsey or Reek. They've had enough. If that girl dies, it's pretty much probably gonna be Ramsey, right? Who does it? Just like he did with the dogs and his last girl. Probably. Maybe it'll be Theon. Maybe that'll be the twist. Ooh. Oh, that would be a turning twist. Turning Theon into a cold blooded killer. It's not like he's ever done that before. <laughs> yeah, right? It's yeah, not like he's like ever, he's ever charged small children. A couple farm boys. <laughs> we do appreciate everybody sending in their owns and what they're looking forward to uh, for season five. Of course, Thank remember you. that uh, episode one, send in those owns as soon as uh, it concludes, as soon as you, as, as you see those uh, credits roll. Uh, and you can do so in a number of ways, just like everybody did today. You can tweet at us at Game of Owns on Twitter or Head on over to Facebook and scroll upon our wall, facebook.com slash Game of Owns. If you'd like to uh, email us, you can do so at contact at Game of If you're on Instagram, head on over to our Instagram thing. I don't really know what people call it nowadays, but tag tag us in a photograph of you watching the show, possibly with your owns or possibly during the credits or something interesting. We have, uh, we have some ideas of, of integrating different things during the show this year. So let's get started in the right way. And I just want to echo, like Micah said, immediately after. Our Sunday night is going to be absolutely insane because this is all happening. It'll be the first recording of the season proper. So... Follow along with us. It's going to be a blast. One other way that you can uh, leave us your feedback is on iTunes. It's the month of April, so uh, nothing less than five stars is acceptable in your review. Uh, Terry, I don't know if you know that, that that's how uh, we do things over here, and we've gone so far as to threaten our listeners if they don't 
review us five stars on iTunes. That's pretty harsh, but I accept that. That's very true to Game of Thrones. Yeah, that's what yeah. I thought too. I'm glad. <laughs> See, I'm glad. And it works. No one's ever questioned it, actually. They've always been like, oh, it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> With the show starting back up on Sunday, you know, there's going to be a lot of people looking for Game of Thrones content. And, uh, we appreciate if you head on over there and let other people know uh, that we exist. You know, actually, in light of the new season beginning, why don't we dip back into the old, old school of Game of Thrones and actually toss out a threat. I've got a threat for all of you. That oh, I, think I, Terry thought you oh I thought you were nice. going to make Terry. No. <laughs> I've, got a, threat. The threat? I've got a threat that <laughs> Terry might appreciate, though. Which, by the way, I don't think anybody has topped Christian's threat. No. No, uh, definitely not. no, his was the best. And I can't say for sure if he's ever had to do that, so we'll see. We'll f- <laughs> I mean, you guys, depends on how you're reviewing. If you do not rate, I've never actually given a threat before, so this is interesting. If you do not rate the show five stars in the month of April, um, I will, from this point on, refer to Daenerys specifically as Khaleesi. What do you think, Terry? That's that's really nice of you. I appreciate that. Thank you. I don't know if anyone else feels this way. But her name is Daenerys Targaryen. Her title is Khaleesi. Do not call her Khaleesi like it's her name. She is the Khaleesi, not Khaleesi. (laughs) Your favorite character is not Khaleesi. She is Daenerys. I feel very Don't name your child Khaleesi unless your child child is a Khaleesi. Yes, don't name your dog Khaleesi like I met (laughs) someone the other day who did. Don't make fun of me for feeling this way. You're wrong (laughs) if you say it like that. Don't do it. And And five stars. I want to take this opportunity to celebrate your work over at Zap to it because you've been um, definitely a large part of the community over the past handful of years, and I'm sure will continue to be. And we're very, very grateful that you took the time today and hopped on our show with us. Uh, it was yep. it was a blast. And to all of you listening that are interested in finding out more of her thoughts on the series, that was I quoted one of her articles that she wrote very recently that was shared across the internet, and a lot of people were very excited about, which is titled "Game of Thrones PSA: Please Stop Calling Daenerys." <laughs> and I pretty much just summed it up for you. But thank you guys so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure. My favorite thing in the world to do is to talk about Game of Thrones, which I manage to do as a profession, but also we get to do for fun. Uh, yes. So yeah, I'd be happy to come back. And I'm excited for everyone to get to see the new season. And if people want to find you, if you want them to find you, I should say, where can they <laughs> well, do that? I did request handwritten letters at one point here, but you can uh, find me on Twitter at Terry underscore Schwartz, and that's Terry with an I. And you can find my work at zaptoit.com. And to all of you sending handwritten letters, the Ravens will find her. So don't They will. Yes, they will find me via Twitter. <laughs> You'll be fine. Your recaps actually for season four were great because I used them in planning the show today. Uh, and I, I really do like how they're laid out because at the end, they kind of give you these interesting nuggets that you may have missed and you also kind of tie it into the book series and talk about you know if it actually matches up and how things actually play themselves out so um you know we'll be sure to share those reviews uh, as you do them for season five i actually won't be doing them oh, that way she, for season five <laughs> she's like actually i quit i'm moving to westeros tomorrow <laughs> no i i loved doing them that way but i'm doing them a little bit different this way but I, that's so flattering and someone actually once told me that they based their youtube rap recaps based on my zap to it recaps compliment i was like ever? i have really? i have made it and the rap was pretty good so mm. to that person, thank you. That was amazing. Well, this is fun. Again, you know, not to be a broken record, but we appreciate you coming on. It's so fun for us to do the show, and it's even more fun when we can expand the conversation with people that we 
know enjoy it as much as we do you know to be able to talk out loud about a story in such serious terms and not have someone look at you like you're a bit crazy it's always fun so thanks again that's what the internet is for to look at us like we're crazy so (laughs) (laughs) it's hard to believe that in just two days and change i'll be cozying up on the couch with my three-eyed raven uh, saison ale from brewery oma gang and enjoying with friends the season five premiere of game of thrones on hbo what do you what are your guys plans what are you doing Tonight, I'm going to go to a screening of season five. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Micah, what are you up to? Tonight or for Sunday? No, Sunday. <laughs> I don't want to hear. If you're going to a screening tonight, I don't no, want to hear about I, it. Uh, just, uh, you know, putting my feet up, as you said, uh, probably going out this weekend and getting a uh, a nice uh, flagon of that beer and uh, having it <laughs> as I watch uh, what happens in season one. Or sorry, episode one. And Terry, what's your plan for Sunday? I also have lame plans. It's the MTV Movie Award, so I have to work them. But uh, I'm a lucky little lady, and I've actually seen the premiere twice already. So I will be watching everyone else freak out about it on Twitter, which I'm dying, 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 dying to do. Because there's a lot. There's a lot that happens there. Um, and I people are going to have lots of thoughts and lots twice. of feelings. Twice. twice. Twice, once at the premiere, once. At can my you rate house. it? Can you rate it one to ten? I'm not gonna rate it. I'm not gonna rate it. I don't want. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I put you on the spot. We're all patiently and impatiently awaiting this Sunday evening. The wait is finally over. It's been many, many, many moons, but finally, Game of Thrones premieres again on Sunday. I hope they bring Caldrogo back. <laughs> <laughs>